Well, today we're going to be get, do something new here called the How To Summer Series. And we've learned a lot from uh, our study of the Luke 3 and Me genealogy uh, study where we've gone back all the way to Genesis and worked our way through the Old Testament. Uh, we didn't do an exhaustive study of the Old Testament. We tried to highlight those names that were mentioned in the lineage of Christ and uh, what they were like and how they were connected to Christ and then uh, what lessons from their lives that we learn uh, about that. Well, there were a lot of lessons that we learned, like originally Adam and Eve, they were set apart because they called on the name of the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, next week in our how-to series, we're going to talk about how to call upon the name of the Lord. And then when Enoch says he walked faithfully with God, then he was caught up in the air. What does it mean to walk faithfully with God? Well, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk, talk about how to walk faithfully with God. Noah he saved the seven in his family to heaven, and we did our hashtag my seven to heaven uh, project. So we're going to talk about how to win your seven to heaven, how to win your family, your extended family to Christ. And then in August, we're going to I'm going to open it up for you. If you had areas of uh, our study that you had any questions from, like you're like, well, how do we do that? How are we supposed to uh, do what we learned in that particular? lesson, well then you just let me know. You can text me or email me and uh, we'll, um, we'll fit that into our August uh, series as um, that first week in August we'll have Nate and Ivy with us and we'll have our church picnic on the first Sunday of August. I think it's August the 2nd. And so we're trying to get back in the regular flow of our fellowship and our church family here and we hope that it will be a blessing to you. Today we're going to talk about what we left off with last week when we talked about Christ. Christ was the end. He was the point of the whole genealogy. When Luke laid that whole case out, the purpose of him laying it out was to show that Jesus was indeed related to Abraham so he could be called the seed, the fulfillment of the blessing. He also showed that he was related to David so he could be called the son of David. Uh, that he could have the, the kingship that was a part of his family line. And so Jesus, as he was fulfilled in all those different ways, and when he stood before his hometown leaders uh, in the synagogue, and he read from Isaiah about the, the Savior of the world, the Messiah that was coming, and then Jesus said, uh, this is fulfilled in your hearing today, meaning I am the fulfillment of this verse. Well, it upset the people there locally, but Jesus was making a claim to be the Messiah. And the most important part of that was what he said, what he quoted from, from the book of Isaiah that was recorded there in Luke. And what he said was that he had come to proclaim the good news, the facts about what life is in the Christocentric narrative of life. He was going to proclaim the fact Life as it is, the reality, not the lies, not the deception, not the misperceptions, but the, what the facts are. And it, the fact is that he came to give us freedom. He listed three things, freedom from oppression. We'll talk about captivity today. He uh, gave us freedom from corruption, uh, from, our, from being blinded. And then he gives us freedom from being crushed, uh, having our souls just completely ground down. And he did so because it is the, uh, the year of the Lord's favor, he said. So there's this perspective that God is showing his favor on his people through Christ. 
So today we want to talk about how to preserve our freedom in this how-to series. Because I think all of us are feeling the pinch right now in our freedoms. Uh, maybe if you live out in, the, out in the country, you don't feel it so much because uh, nobody really cares if you walk around without a mask on. But if you live in the city or you go into town and you wear uh, where there's a mask requirement or anything like that, then you might be feeling that your personal freedoms are under assault a little bit because someone else, uh, someone you don't even know, doesn't even know your habits, they don't know your cleanliness habits or your health habits, they're telling you how you're supposed to act when you're out there in public. So that is kind of an assault on our freedom. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody had any extra rules laid on them here in the last few months? Any new rules that you have to live by that someone else has told you? Now listen, if you're going to do this, then you got to follow this particular rule. Well, for, you know, for a couple months, every week, our governor came uh, out and uh, gave us a new rule that we had to abide by. Or a new restriction, maybe not so much rules, but restrictions about how we can operate, what what it is that we're supposed to do. Well, you, you, you can still go and uh, eat, you can still go and shop, you can still go in this, but you have to restrict uh, how you're going to do that. Like you got to sit, you know, so many uh, feet apart. And uh, Have you been into a restaurant where they're doing that? Well, I guess they're practicing at every restaurant and you look at the restaurants and how they have them spread apart and then you still may be three feet away from someone who's catty cornered to you. And I'm thinking, well, what's the purpose of all this safe distancing if you're still not very far away from those people that are in the restaurant? Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. If they want to do that, that's fine. I kind of like it because I'm not having anybody listen to my conversations right across the way. But the people that are two rows behind me are still listening to my conversations I'm having with my wife when I'm having dinner. So there are some restrictions that we have that, uh, that we are having to abide by. Uh, what about those new regulations? Now, if you're going to go to Day uh, Dayton, if you're, you have a new regulation, wear a mask. And we talked about those things that we have here, some of the rules, regulations, restrictions, but none of those were mandating. We're not going to make anybody do any of those things. If people feel more comfortable doing those kinds of things, that's fine. But now if you go to any public place in Dayton, you better have a mask or you're not going to be able to go in and be a part of that business. Now we have these extra restrictions, these extra rules, these extra regulations, but let me ask you, how do you feel about the recriminations when you don't want to go along with those? How are you feeling about the people who say, listen, if you don't wear a mask, you're killing everybody. You know, you're killing my grandma because you're not wearing a mask. Or uh, you shouldn't uh, put everybody at risk because you're not doing this or not doing that. Uh, you're not carrying around hand sanitizer. So every time you go in the door, you know, you're hand sanitizing your hands. And now people's hands are so dry. Everybody's got to get that stuff to put on their hands because they're so dry from all the hand sanitizer and the alcohol that's in that. But it's the recriminations that seem to bother me more than anything else. I mean, the rules, the regulations, restrictions, so far they haven't been, you know, so bad. I don't necessarily like all of them. But when someone tells me that I'm an evil, sinful person because I don't want to abide by some suggestion that is passed down from people that I've never known, and they tell me that I'm a sinner or I'm a bad person or I'm a murderer or I'm a killer, that's when we know we're getting into the dark territory. 
And I call it the dark territory because the greatest practical gift God has given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, according to that verse from Luke 4 that we'll look at here again, is the gift of freedom. The gift of freedom. As a matter of fact, the Christocentric narrative of humankind that we talked about from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament is that it is our inalienable right to freedom as God's image bearers, as his children. God has given that to us, but we have allowed others to co-opt our freedom and make our freedom their freedom. In other words, we become their slaves. And in a fundamental sense, if you break everything down to its basic building blocks of life, it's always Satan trying to use other people to co-opt our freedom, to enslave us so that they can have more freedom. But in so doing, they are taking away from us the inalienable or God-given right or gift of freedom that is ours as his image bearers. If we need any kind of proof or scriptural evidence for this, I'd call your attention to Galatians chapter 5. Because two times in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 13, uh, Paul makes a case for why we're free. He says in verse 1, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In other words, he's talking about those who would co-opt our freedom so that they can have greater freedoms at the expense of our enslavement. Then in verse 13 he says, You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. We are called for freedom. It is for, it is for freedom of Christ has set us free. We, have, uh, we were called to be free, but we shouldn't allow our freedom to be enslaved by others. And we should not indulge in the flesh, making freedom our excuse, but rather to serve one another. So freedom, the purpose of freedom is pretty basic. We have freedom from the slavery of anyone else, of sin, or anyone else's rules, regulations that they would want to make on us so that they can be freer and we can be more imprisoned. And we have freedom to serve others in love. And the two are, are deeply connected because it's very difficult for you to be a slave of someone else and then serve them in love. Because there's resentment and bitterness that's a part of that. That's why Christ has blessed us with freedom, freedom from slavery, and freedom to serve. And that leads us to our how-to question that's based upon Luke chapter 4, verse 8 through 21, or 18 through 21. The scripture says there, again, this is Jesus quoting Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's bringing the facts of life to those who are poor in mind. They don't understand what life is all about. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He says, uh, he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus claims here 
that he is the arbiter of true freedom. And so if Jesus is the arbiter of true freedom, anyone who talks about freedom absent the truth and facts about Jesus are not truly offering you freedom. They're simply trying to coerce you into making them more free and you to be their servants in that. How do we preserve the God-given freedom given to us and guaranteed to us by our founding fathers? We find ourselves in a critical time right now in our country where uh, our young people are rising up and they're revolting and they're, uh, they are rioting and they're protesting because they think that we don't live in a land that's free. So how do we preserve this God-given freedom that we have that's been guaranteed to us also by our founding fathers? I mean, we, what do we celebrate yesterday? Kids, hey, what did we do yesterday? What was yesterday? What were we celebrating? Independence Day, our freedom. That's right. And how do we do that? Huh? Yesterday. And what do we set off to celebrate? That's right, fireworks, because it was a celebration, right? And when you're watching, those, there, weren't, there weren't very many close by. I mean, the one that we would have gone would be New Madison, but we didn't travel a distance to go see them. But you could have watched them on television. You could, uh, you could see your neighbors who were setting off their fireworks, whatever. But we're doing it because we're celebrating our independence. We're celebrating our freedom. But we're doing so in a time when our freedom, our personal freedom, especially in Christ, is being infringed upon. There's an effort to imprison us again, to infringe on our freedom, to impinge our freedom. The facts and evidence are pretty simple. And that is that only those who learn from Jesus and follow his teachings can preserve their freedom. Now let me say that again. Only those who learn from Jesus and follow his teachings can preserve their freedom. Everyone else is just playing at it. Or they're manipulating it to their own advantage. In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, Jesus made this claim. He said to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. Definitely free. Now, sin is the dirty little secret Satan uses to keep us enslaved to him through man-made rules, regulations, restrictions, and then the recriminations that come along with them when we don't obey. Jesus is claiming to us that the only way that we can see clearly through this, even in our great nation where our founding fathers have made it a part of our very law that we are free, we truly cannot be free if we're using that freedom as an excuse, to sin, uh, an excuse to sin or we remain in slavery to sin. 
Satan uses that to continue to oppress us and hold us down. And in our country, we're seeing a lot of examples of that, even from people who are not believers. Is anybody familiar with a man by the name of Dave Rubin? He is a, uh, he's an activist. He has a podcast. He has some things. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, How, Don't Burn This Book, I think was the name of it. But in his book and in some of the things that he's talking about, and let me try to explain to you in a delicate way, he's a, he's a young man. Uh, he was uh, very liberal in, in his uh, perspective. He calls himself a classical liberal. He also, uh, he also uh, is uh, someone who is in a same-sex relationship. You would think that the, the people who were progressive would love a man like him. And they did until he began to question some of the regressive techniques that were being used to enslave those who didn't go along with the party line, so to speak. And so at some point he found himself on the outside. He's been called every name in the book. And he wrote, progressives have become regressives in that they are now no longer tolerating freedom in any way, but rather they're demanding those who don't believe or think like them to submit to their way of thinking. That's what happens when you try to take freedom and you try to express it without Christ Jesus. You just end up manipulating it until other people believe or think just like you. And if they don't, then they don't get to be free. We're becoming victims of what I call comparative character assassination. If we are not going to follow a certain point of view that the world throws out there, then even if you're a Christian, you are to be rejected and you are to submit to whatever authority these people say that you should submit to. And you'll remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about Memorial Day, I remind you we should never bend the knee. Because Jesus proclaimed he was anointed and appointed to set us free from any effort by any man, woman, or child to capture, corrupt, or crush us. And you need to understand that it doesn't matter what situation is, what the cultural situation is. Satan is involved in the details of it, trying to crush you, trying to corrupt you, trying to, uh, to capture you. And we've been warned about this for centuries since the New Testament writings. Jesus claims that he, only he can give us freedom from captivity. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. The word he uses here for prisoners is pretty interesting. It'd be what we would call POWs. What's a POW? Prisoner of war. Someone who's been captured by the enemy. We are captive by, or captured, we're captured by the enemy and we are imprisoned by him. And Jesus is saying he's the only one who can give us freedom from, from such captivity. Now you not, might not be familiar with a lot of 
War History, but working through Victor David Hansen's book is like 100 hours long uh, called Carnage and Culture. And he's been going through all the great battles and just been listening to the one about uh, Cortez uh, representing Spain against Montezuma and the Aztec nation. And he said one of the reasons that the Aztecs outnumbered the Spanish army uh, probably 100 to 1 But the reason that the Aztecs eventually were not able to win is because instead of during battle, actually their their weapons were cruder. They weren't meant to, to kill. They were meant to just wound. Because part of their thought process was that if they wounded their um, they wounded their enemy, they could later come along and take them captive. And in their particular uh worship of the sun god they believed that if you had a captive that you could take him and sacrifice him to the god and then cannibalize him that's gross right now let me point this out satan is just like montezuma he wants to come into your life And wound you so badly that he can take you captive and then he can cannibalize you the rest of your life. Just eat away at you all the rest of your life. And what he does fundamentally is he takes you captive in your perspective. And Jesus came to proclaim freedom for us who are captive. We are to be set free from Christ and the deceptive philosophies of this world. Because Satan uses anyone he can to take you captive through deceptive lies and philosophies. Remember Colossians 2 verse 6 through 10, what it says? So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith that as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness, see to it. That no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. The claim here is that if we have freedom in Christ, he's over every other authority, so we'll continue to have that freedom in him. But if we listen to those hollow and deceptive philosophies of this world that are based upon elemental principles in man's ideas, we can be captivated by that and we become captured in Satan's lies and then he cannibalizes us the rest of our days. Now, I believe there's a culture war raging right now. And it's a raging in which Satan is using anything he can but Christian truth or perspective to take you and your children captive and consume you. He wants to capture us with deceptive ideas. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. It's kind of funny, but it's not. But have you heard about Robert Reagan? He's no, I don't think he's any kin to Ronald Reagan. But he's a, he's a representative, lives up in Michigan. And the reason that he's been in the news lately is because his, 18, uh, his young daughter, I can't remember if she's 18 or not, 
but his young daughter, he's running for office in Michigan, and his young daughter has tweeted to the world that no one should vote for her father because he's a horrible conservative whatever. Now, I can see my kids doing that to me. You know. As a matter of fact, if you want a counter-argument after church, just see my, my son Matt, and he can counter-argue everything I talked about here today. So, if you've ever had a child that just said, I don't believe in anything you stand for, and I'm going to let the whole world know how horrible you are. I just thought that was kind of funny, but then so sad. Because what he did was, and here's what happened, he sent her away to this university where she's been getting indoctrinated for years about ideas and philosophies that were foreign and not not the way that she was brought up in her home now she has three other siblings they they're fine they they love their dad and they're going to vote for him i guess but this one she's been indoctrinated with the philosophies of the world and she's just determined she's decided that her dad's a rotten person and no one should ever vote for him now i know she'll be sorry about that someday surely But the fact of the matter is, is that that's how easily young people can be persuaded and captivated. And once they're captivated when they're young, the devil will just kind of cannibalize the rest of their lives until the day that they die, unless they are truly set free by Christ Jesus. And only Christ can set them free. Amen? So in this culture war that's raging... We need to let Christ set us free from these deceptive philosophies that are being shared. The other claim he makes is that he's going to give us freedom from corruption. In other words, there are going to be a lot of people who want to infringe on our freedoms in different ways for whatever reason. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to bring recovery of sight for the blind. Now this word blind here carries another word picture I thought was interesting. And that is when you become blind because there's smoke in your eyes. Now that's probably apropos with the 4th of July with cookouts or uh, fire rockets or sparklers or whatever. At some point we've had or, or smoke bombs. We've had some smoke in our eyes the last couple of days. Now, I have a smoker, and for some reason, the people, the people at my house always demand that we have smoked meats for every meal. And so I was smoking hamburgers and brats yesterday, and it's a big old box. And when I open up the box, billows of smoke come out. And if I don't close my eyes and turn my head, that smoke will get in my eyes. And then for a while, I can't see, and my eyes sting. That's the, you're not getting any more smoked meats, man. <laughs> That's what Jesus is talking about here when he says to give recovery to the sight for those who are blind. They're blind. The idea, the word picture he gives here is this smoke has got into their eyes where they cannot see clearly. I was reading yesterday, you may not be familiar with Dudley Ruffer. He's someone that we've known for a long, long time. Uh, he was out in Wichita. Uh, his father was a preacher out at uh, a church in Wichita. And uh, he's a preacher out in California now. And he just commented that Governor Newsom has said that if people, they've allowed people to go to church in California of up to 100. But now he's mandating that they no longer sing in their churches. Wow. 
So Dudley said, you know, we've tried to be patient, but starting August the 2nd, we are going to open up our church fully, and we will be singing every week. Now you might say, why would you challenge the governor of the great state of California that way? And my question is, why is the governor of California challenging every Christian who lives in the state of California? Now I'm thankful we can come here and sing and we can have biscuits and gravy and we can do the things that we want to do and we can still bring glory to the Lord and we have some inconveniences still like kids having, you know, making noise in the service or whatever the case might be. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But when people start telling us that we can't do certain things in our churches, it's like them blowing smoke in our eyes. They are trying to corrupt our perspective to make us think that those things just are not important. And here's Dudley's perspective. He says right across from his church, there is a Starbucks, and there is a Walmart, and there is a Target. And he sees every Sunday people going in and out and in and out and in and out, unlimited amounts of people going into all these businesses and bars, but no one over 100 people, or not 100, no more than 100 can be in their big church. They have thousands of seats in their church building, and now they're not allowed to sing. Listen, that might sound ridiculous, but on every level or any level, when someone's trying to tell you that you can't worship God or do something in the name of God, they're blowing smoke in your face to mislead you so that we will not claim the superior, superiority of the divine nature of, of God in our lives. Here's the deal. People are telling us, and I agree in, in that... There are some things that we just need to pay attention to, to be safe, to get along, to go along. That's fine. But when people tell us that because you're a Christian, you're stupid and you don't know anything, and you don't believe in science, like they said of Vice President Pence at the very beginning of this, surely you understand there's more going on than just the safety of people or their health. This is where there are those who are going to take more of your freedoms away from you so that they can have greater power over you. But the Bible says when it comes to that, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9, that it is His divine power, God's divine power, that has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Not a governor's power, not a mayor's power. It's God's power. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you can participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and a goodness knowledge and a knowledge self-control and a self-control perseverance and a perseverance godliness and a godliness mutual affection and a mutual affection and love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. There are a lot of folks who are blowing smoke in our eyes right now. They're trying to tell us that or restrict us or make rules and regulations on us when it comes to our worship of God because what they're saying to you is our power is greater than the power of the divine. That our power will make you safer and guide you through life. 
And God says, no, it's my divine power that guides you safely. And if you believe anything but beyond that or beside that, you're nearsighted and blind. And you're forgetting, I forgave you from, this, from your sins. And that's the most powerful things that ever happened in the universe. Listen, there's a conscience war raging in which Satan is using anybody he can to corrupt our perspective on what is the most effective and productive use of our lives and our time to corrupt us with distracting involvements. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Do this, do that. Culturally, we're just bombarded right now. I don't, if you're a young person, I don't know how you're thinking clearly or straight. Nickelodeon, for instance, was on some television. I was in some place the other day, and it was on, and it was uh, SpongeBob and SquarePants. Of course, you heard about SpongeBob and uh, SpongeBob, how he kind of came out of the closet, right? You heard that. It's Pride Week. And I thought, well, it's, I don't know why I need to know that, but thanks for sharing, right? But then as I was watching the commercials in between the show, SpongeBob, there, were, uh, there was a theme that was a part of uh, this Nickelodeon channel, and that was that there was a great interest in our young people not, not having the information that they need uh, to make good decisions for their lives. And so Nickelodeon now is, you know, they're running all kinds of political uh, action type things, like they did a, a special on Black Lives Matter, and then they had a special pride uh, segment that they were going to run so that children could know how to feel and how to think about those things, because obviously their parents aren't talking to talk talking to them about those different things. And the, here's the problem with that, folks, is that there is a war for the conscience of this nation, and especially with their children. And what the world wants you to know is that there is no power in God, no power in Christ. That's why everyone else needs to tell us how to think and feel and what it is that we should do. Because if we then do what they want us to do, everything in the world will be daisies and, and peaceful and we'll be able to just, uh, you know, peace and love, peace and love, peace and love, right? But what they don't realize is all this has been tried before and it was a horrible failure. And the only thing that works is freedom in Christ. The third thing Jesus gives us is freedom from being crushed. We are imprisoned, we are infringed, and our freedoms are also impinged. And that means that someone's trying to put pressure on it, crush it. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to set the oppressed free. That word for oppression is if you, um, if you uh, have ever, ever seen someone have a little uh, bowl with a little grinder, you know, where you just grind a pill or guacamole or whatever. You ever seen one of those things? Just grind it, grind it, grind it, grind it until it's just pulverized. That's the word picture here of the oppressed. They're just ground down. And the only thing that can save those who are oppressed, Jesus says, is my power. It's the resurrection power. Verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 12 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despaired. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, though that, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work within us, but life is at work within you. Christ Jesus is setting us free, even though we have to be in the same world and have these same things that are going on where Satan is trying to crush us, press us down, destroy us, perplex us, persecute us. We still are set free because these are just opportunities for us to show the resurrection power shining through us when we don't give in to them. You understand that? I was listening to um, Candace Owens because this caustic world war that we have right now that's raging has Satan using any words he can to crush the spirits of non-believers. He wants to grind down our hope in the resurrection and to crush us with divisive intimidations. He just wants to always make us feel like we're under attack. I don't know if you're familiar with Candace Owen. She's a sweet, sweet little gal. She's a, a young woman who has, um, uh, she has kind of her own podcast. I don't know if she's written a book or anything, but I was watching her speech, her story um, online yesterday because I wanted to know more about how she became what she became. And she's a young black woman, and she has uh, testified before the Senate. Uh, and what she does is she normally speaks against the very things that everyone in her own little culture or her own world would expect her to say or believe in. And I would encourage you just to look her up uh, on uh, whatever search engine you want to look at her up on and watch some of her speeches or listen to some of her things. She has a podcast right now where she talks about things very clearly and very articulately. But her story is kind of interesting because... It started when she was in high school where she was at the center of this big controversy in Connecticut where she grew up where four young men left a very nasty message on her phone, a voicemail, saying that they were going to kill her and uh, do all kinds of things to her. And they found out that one of the young men that left the, the message was the son of the governor of Connecticut. Maybe you remember this story. And the, the sad thing for her, she said, was that her grandpa took her in when she was a little girl and every day made her read scripture and learn from th something from scripture and then quizzed her on that. And so up until high school, when she kind of had a rebellious period, uh, she was well versed in Bible and scripture. She said, I'm so thankful for my grandpa because it was going to help me get through this, although it took her a while to do so. Uh, after this became kind of the center of attention, she uh, took on that victim uh, moniker where everybody thought she was a victim and felt sorry for her, and she didn't feel good about that. She didn't want to be a victim. So she went off to college, and she started experiencing some different things, and then she started praying, and she was thinking one day, and she realized that part of the problem that she had is that she had allowed herself to be considered a, to be a victim in this world and she didn't want to be because her grandpa taught her that she had victory in her life. And that victory thing came through Christ and it doesn't matter what anybody else ever says about her or how they characterize her. She knows who she is in Christ and with that she can get up each morning and live in victory. Freedom. Now you think you've been called names. You just look at some of the things people call her just because she doesn't toe the line 
of the progressive movement which thinks that she thinks she should speak for them. Now I give these illustrations <laughs> a young black woman and a and a gay man and and um, and other, and others because I want you to know that those that side that's claiming freedom they're beginning to turn on anyone that even if they were in their ranks before they're turning on them and doing the same things that they've been doing to us for years. And the point of all that is I want you to be prepared. I want you to be aware so that you do not fall to deceptive philosophies, especially young people here today, if you can learn this lesson, that it's in Christ you only will find your freedom. And I know there's some fine-sounding arguments out there, and there are people saying that, you know, you are the world, and you are, you're the one that will lead us, and that this great freedom. Well, listen, that's not your job. Christ already did that. He already accomplished that. And we just need to believe in Him and have faith in Him and let Him live, live through us through that resurrection power. Because our personal freedoms are under siege and our principal freedoms are under attack. And how do we preserve that? Well, first of all, don't panic. This has been going on for a long, long time. But don't be afraid to fight. How can we preserve our spirit? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 through 18 says, Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, do you know it? Freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces con uh, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What is it that we should do? Just like the Christocentric narrative of humankind has said, and we've been studying, is we got to be like God. We have to just be like him through Christ because when we are being transformed into his image with this ever-increasing glory. We are growing closer to him in the Holy Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. Freedom. That's the only way that we can preserve it. Only the Spirit of the Lord provides and protects freedom and gets us to glory. Any other attempt to argue with you about what freedom is absent the Holy Spirit is a lie. During World War II, President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was hesitant to get involved in the war. As a matter of fact, there would have been some back dealings, a lot of things going on. And I'm kind of interested in history. I'm like uh, Alan. I like reading historical accounts of different things. And so as I was reading about this particular thing, uh, Churchill was trying to get the the states involved, America to get involved be before uh, Nazi Germany took over all of Europe. And again, uh, the president and the Congress, the Senate, they were hesitant to really move on it because it's not our fight. It was, you know, thousands of miles away. It's not a big deal. And then does anybody know what happened that got America into the world in World War II? Pearl Harbor. The Japanese, full of, uh, full of muster, they attacked Pearl Harbor and uh, killed uh, thousands of uh, soldiers. And it, was, uh, it forced the Roosevelt to say, this day will live in what? Infamy. Now, my encouragement to you is this. We are in a war. 
You may think it's thousands of miles away. It's not going to affect you. It's not going to impact you. But don't wait till you have a Pearl Harbor in your family where someone like Robert Reagan's daughter just comes right out and spits in his face. It's time that we get in the fight. And here's how we fight. We fight every day for freedom. And we fight for freedom through God's truth. And if you're fighting for God's free, freedom for, through God's truth, he will empower you with that resurrection power. You will grow in ever-increasing glory. You become his child. You will not be captured. You will not be corrupted. You will not be crushed. Because anybody that's out there in the world can do anything they want to in the name of Satan or not even in his name, but doing it um, through his power. And they cannot defeat the child of God. Because we have the victory. And our victory is always the freedom we enjoy through Christ. Let's pray.